This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Rosa, and for this episode, I had the opportunity to sit with Miriam Lara Mejia. She is known as La Gorda Feminista on social media, and Miriam is a mother. She's an anthropologist, a writer, a speaker, an educator on body positivity and size diversity, and she came on the podcast to talk about what is fat phobia, what is the connection between our body, self-shame, and collective fat phobia. She came on and shared so much wisdom on why it's important to focus on size diversity, body diversity from a very young age, how we can start teaching our children these concepts. Medium also talks about how she's been able to heal alongside her career as a content creator and how learning about this, researching and how education can be so empowering and such a huge component of healing, which is why she's so passionate about sharing this information, sharing this knowledge to everyone. And one of the things that I appreciate about Medium so much is just how generous she is in sharing all of this information, not just on the podcast, but if you go to her social media, whether it's her TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, she just drops so much knowledge, so much wisdom, but in a way that is relatable, in a way that is funny and, and very much digestible to to everyone from all walks of life and i just so appreciate her perspective on how she she discusses or tackles very complex complicated topics in such a straightforward simple way i i just love her instagram and i encourage you all to check it out please know that this episode is not meant to treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition this episode does not substitute for health care or mental health services guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Medium Lara Mejia. Take a listen. Welcome Medium to the podcast. Hola, hola. Hi everyone. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to share with, with myself and the, my audience today. I, yes, I'm excited. I was really excited when you reached out and the opportunity of connecting with different communities is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's get started. And just to begin, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and the work that you do? Yeah. So my name is Miriam Laura Mejia and I'm a body positive parenting educator and activist. And I was born in Mexico. My mom is from Wisconsin, though, so I often think of myself as a immigrant American to Mexico because I grew up in a household that was 
very, very Midwestern um, in Mexico. And yet I also had the opportunities, you know, there's a power dynamic of being uh, someone with an American heritage in Mexico. So I am got to experience Mexico in a different way. Um, and yeah, I'm an anthropologist in my studies and gender studies as well. And uh, I've been in the body positive movement for a long time. But of course, like many people during that pandemic, and we saw a lot of people talking about their bodies and talking about other people's bodies. And I have been doing most of my work in in English. I live in California and I work in, you know, have kind of worked always in English dominant spaces. But during the pandemic, it became clear that I wanted to talk about these things. I want to talk about fat phobia and weight stigma. I wanted to talk about the trauma of uh, constantly being criticized in our homes Um and I was talking to my my mother-in-law, who is of Colombian descent, and she, you know, she was so, so literally in every conversation that we have, she talks about someone's weight. And so I realized I wanted to create content to educate people about the harm of fat phobia, the harm of weight stigma, the harm of this constant criticism. And I wanted to do it in Spanish because I, I feel like there's this great power to reach a lot of people, right? Um, but also there was like a nothing. There was nothing in Spanish, uh, nothing in Spanish in the US, right? There's a lot of activism in Latin America and a lot of activism in Spain. But in the US, there was there's a lot of activism around body positivity and fat liberation, but not in Spanish, right? And um as I also as a parent, um, it became clear that as you know, a lot of us are trying to break cycles, we're trying to do things you know, more aware of the trauma that we have lived, um, I realized that I really wanted to focus on Latinx kids in the U.S. and, you know, still with a big audience in Latin America, but uh, speaking really about the experience of first-gen and immigrant communities here with a full acknowledgement that I, again, live in California. I live in Northern California where I am very privileged to not constantly be facing, I don't face uh criticism from my in-laws all the time, right? It's like once a year, but a lot of people that are, that are part of my community do, right? Constantly, right? In las fiestas de las tías and the, right? Like, and so there's a lot of work to be done there um, to, to talk about this trauma and to be part of the generation that is working to shift it, right? We, it's very clear that we have all lived some form of this, Either we did it or or we lived it. We, you know, none of us are exempt from being people who also are part of a community, a part of a paradigm that believes that people are lesser humans. We have all been part of that. So um, yeah. So now I do a lot of uh I do a lot of workshops and I create content on social media, which I think is a great equalizer, right? It's a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs looking at content. Um, I truly believe in this process of demystifying information. There's so much content. There's so much out there, right? But how do we make it really accessible and useful, right? And a lot of people use my content and like they send it in the WhatsApp groups to the tias or to them, you know, like, oh, look at this, this thing, right? Um, 
it's a way of like starting conversations. And now I've been focusing a little bit more on curriculums for schools, really being bringing this conversation around body diversity, centering body diversity as this big chunk of diversity that we've missed, you know, that um, we can all look around and be like, wow, bodies come in all different shapes and sizes. Why do we not include them in our conversations around diversity? So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that, for that, for sharing that information. And I was, I was just wondering, so you mentioned that you were an anthropologist by training, right? Or you, yeah. you, yeah. And how has this, you know, your career as an anthropologist, how has it, um, has it, have you always been interested on these topics or has it evolved or from the very beginning you, you were, this is, this was your area of focus? No, I mean, I, I grew up in an activist home and in a feminist home, both of which I often talk about being key elements of my journey into this world, right? Of what yeah. I believe around social justice. Um, my, in my home, we activated around several different issues, including women's rights, uh, women's reproductive health, uh, worker rights, because I'm, I was born and grew up in a town in Mexico that was the gene, you know, like the clothing gene capital of the world where lots of maquilas, lots of factories were making jeans. A lot of issues around worker health and a lot of issues on environmental um, concerns. So I've always been activated in some in some way or form. In my university, for example, I you know was part of the group pushing for uh, different um, not legislation, but like different rules guidelines in in the school around sexism and you know discrimination against women and all kinds of things. So I feel like I've I've identify as an activist because it is definitely something that I'm close to mm -hmm. as always you know it's like this sort of thing right like as soon as you start activating on something you realize oh you know for example worker rights right. like yes like let's talk about worker rights and people in factories making our the things that we use all the time but then you have to talk about environmental rights because you can't it, it, suddenly it's like that's a whole other thing right and then you talk about you know yes yeah, like we want factories to be in workplaces where there's no jobs you know like just kind of and then we talk about migration like there it, it's all interconnected right so um, I, um, my family has, has always had a larger body. My mom, my, you know, we, I was actually interested in this a long time ago because my grandfather, uh, who was Irish descent, and then my mom and my uncles, and then us, we all have the same body. That's literally like, it's like a specific kind of body and we all have the same body. And that was interesting to me when I was a teenager. Cause I was like, there's is clearly something here, right? I, without knowing now, I know the data around, you know, the in, genetics being the most significant element around what determines our body size. But I didn't know that then, right? I was just sort of like, you know, how is this possible, right? And my mom, I always talk about, even though I grew up in a feminist home, I grew up like all of us in a fatphobic home because my mom, I don't remember a time that she wasn't doing a diet, right? She wasn't trying to do something to change her body, right? And now we know that the, you know, diets are, you know, this is the current studies say like doing a diet is the number one predictor of weight gain in the future because diets have this huge impact on how our bodies function, right? And our bodies, when they're put in stress, they want to save the energy, right? Um, so I have always been aware that, you know, as, as a person with a larger body, I've experienced fat phobia in different ways. I didn't know that it was called fat phobia. And I think many people who maybe are listening might have that experience, right? Like when you don't know that, that this is a thing that's happening, you feel like you deserve it, right? A lot of fat people 
feel like we deserve the acoso, the harm, the harassment, mm-hmm. the violence, because we also believe that people deserve to be treated that way, right? And it's mm-hmm. not until you start learning about these incredible systems, you know, fat phobia and weight stigma and anti-fat bias. And you're like, wait a second, this is like a societal perspective that has decided that people in larger bodies are inferior, just as a rule, right? And um, so now I now that I've been activating in fat phobia, I've been like, wait a second, that thing that I that happened to me, th- I didn't see it as fat phobia because I didn't know even if that was a thing. Um, but I I would say like I started really activating around the body positivity movement ten years ago when I moved to the Bay Area, and I have this story about how I wanted to dance samba, Brazilian samba, and how I sort of like was like always shamed for my body when I wanted to perform. And I kind of couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand why if I was such a great dancer, I couldn't just, you know, do the thing until I had this big revelation with following more body positive content and realizing like, no, I deserve to dance in the body that I don't have to change my body to, to belong. I can, I can do the thing. Right. And activating around those spaces really, you know, was the kind of the first seed for me that something was wrong with how we think that we have to be different to deserve love. We have to be different to deserve opportunities. We have to be different to exist in this world. And I would say really, really the the key catalyst moment has been like in the last three years when I've really educated myself around the science, like what are, you know, what are the studies around weight and health say, you know, what about the health and every size movement? Not, not only like the activist side, but the science side, the like, you know, academic side. And that's when I, everything, you know, it almost feels like, and maybe you've had this experience, but it almost feels like. I've had all these building blocks kind of like all over, like, you know, all yeah. over my experience. And then suddenly they all like connected, mm. right? Yeah. The idea of like believing that all humans deserve love, dignity, health, um, no matter what, who they are, what they look like, right? And so all my social justice activism and all my interest, I have, um, I worked for 15 years in an, in a nonprofit that wrote health resources again with this idea of like, we need to make health information actionable for people. And I, I truly, that's like the core of my work around social media, especially the idea of like, how do we make information that help someone wherever they are, you know, kind of be part of that building block being like, wait a second, that is not that what's happening to me is not okay. Right. And for so many people, a big alarm that has happened in maybe in the last two, again, in the last two years is this idea of like recognizing fat phobia in our families and being like, it's that time that your tia is criticizing what you eat, what you wear, you know, your weight, all these things isn't okay. Even if it's like the norm and even if it's the culture, even if it's whatever. Right. Yeah. So beginning to question that is a big piece of, of, of where I see my work. Yeah. So fascinating and and so interesting. And one of the, I was going to ask you, but I think you answered this question just in your story, but you know, a a lot of folks as they do the work, the healing work and share the work with others uh, indirectly or directly, they, they heal from their own wounds, their own shame, their own bias. They, so my question to you was, was going to be, you know, how has your 
healing journey unfolded, but it sounds like for you through all this education and, and just reading and integrating and sharing it with the community and the activism, all of this has helped you integrate this for your own healing, for your own deal, you know, unlearning and, and de- we know everything that you've done has helped you also in, in, a, in a more deeper way. Yeah, I would say so. And I, but I also think that, I mean, we are part of our culture, right? And so I, I, there is, I don't believe that there's a true healing uh, around body image because we're constantly getting attacked by it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, so what I, I'd like to see it more as like a cultivation of awareness, right? Like, especially, yeah. you know, people who are listening, right? Like when you feel bad about your body, one day and then the next day you don't feel bad about your body right like you know in a few in a week you'll feel like fine you know that there's a lot of messaging right and so learning to kind of be able to see what's happening maybe i need to like step away from my social media maybe i need to not go to that party maybe a lot of these different things of yeah. like how to be able to recognize the messaging that yeah. we all know is harming us right but you know yes i think that um we live in the society. This society puts a lot, especially for Latinas, a lot of attention and a lot of pressure on bodies, what your body looks like, have you aged, is your hair, all these things, right? And we are, you know, we are not devoid of our of our society and of our community. No, our culture, about like, our family. Yeah, yeah, like kind of like cultivating that, the tools to be able to recognize, okay, today, you know, I feel like this. I think like this. I also recognize these are not, I like to say this. I like to say we are all born body positive, right? We are all born in our embodied into our, into our bodies. Right. And we learn to hate our bodies. We are taught that we are not good enough. We are taught that our curly hair is not good enough. Our straight hair is not good enough. Our this skin or that skin. Right. And plus other um, things. And so the idea of like kind of going back to honoring that that source that we were born with, right? And recognizing the messaging external to us that has taught us to hate our bodies, right? And in that process to hate others, right? Like when you hate your body, you also judge and hate other people's bodies for their differences. And so it's a little bit of cultivating this dynamic between you and the world. No, but I think you, you, you're spot on with the awareness sometimes. And, and that's what education does, right? It, it gives you that, that awareness of, well, maybe what I thought or what, what my mom or Tia, you know, whomever, that's not okay. And, and that, that starts with just being aware of when it's happening, right? The mindfulness yeah. of when it's happening in the moment and being able to respond to that in the moment. And you mentioned something that is so interesting, because I know I go through this, you mentioned that one day we're fine with our body, you know, we're, we're fine, we feel good. And then the following a few days later, you know, you start feeling all kinds of way, you start feeling so just judging yourself and you start feeling shame and you don't even know what to wear. I know that's, you know, happens to me where sometimes I have, I, I, nothing fits, nothing looks good, you know, and then, and I've never, until you mentioned it, I, I never realized what is, to ask myself in those moments, what is it that I've been exposed to? Who has said something to me? What have I seen? Because that, that's, that is a direct influence in our, to our mind, our spirit, And, and I I just thought it was so, so interesting that, because I think so many people can, can relate to that moment of like, I was fine last week, but this week I'm not, I don't feel good. Yeah. And, and because you have seen it, right? Like, it's like your body didn't change that much from one week to another. 
right? So it's clearly something in your mind, right? And it's clearly something in your relationship to your body. And I would like to say also, you know, especially for women and, and people who, who have uteruses, the thing is like our bodies do change month to month and our bodies do change, you know, this, there's this sort of like glorification of the unchanging body. Right. But it's like our bodies change. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's like, for me, I can tell it's like, okay, maybe my period is going to start or something. And yes, my body is different. And, but we have this disassociation with our body, right? Cause we're not supposed to get bigger. We're not supposed to do all these things. And that is informing this thing that we can be honoring and celebrating about our body or recognizing like, yes, today I'm maybe, you know, this way or that way. Um, but of course there's other messaging around like, you know, how we think about eating or how we think about movement that are both really deeply informed with this anti-fat bias that, you know, is truly harmful because we, it keeps us in this loop of dissatisfaction. But yes, I kind of like, you know, when the moment where you can be like, I can recognize that this is a, something that is changing. You know, our relationship to our body is changing, not only by our bodies, but yes, like what you're consuming, what you're reading, messages that you haven't yet processed, messages that you still need to kind of work on and, you know, work through therapy or, you know, whatever. And I would say it's, it's not just education, but also I do believe in the incredible power of social media. Like I follow so many fat creators and people with all kinds of different bodies. And I I, I have seen this true, true transformation in my brain of like things where I would normally be like, oh my gosh, mira no mas que gorda or whatever. Like things that like are truly informed by fat phobia. Now that I see so many different bodies, I sort of can see the uniqueness of my own. And that has truly, that's one of the, one of the first things I tell people to do is like go and follow fat creators, go and follow people with all different kinds of bodies because it transforms the way you judge your body when you can see so much diversity. So beautiful. And you talk a lot about that concept of uh, body diversity, size diversity. Um, for the folks that may be unfamiliar with that term, how would it describe it in, in relation to what we're talking about and fat phobia? Well, I mean, I I went to uh, school the other day. I I did a reading for a, a second grade class, and it was the first time that I they'd ever heard the word or the phrase body diversity. And I said, "Look around. Are are we all the same? No, right? There's people who are taller and shorter and bigger and smaller and have all kinds of cares. That is what body diversity is. Body diversity is the re, the the understanding that every single body." in this world is different. Now, the the reason why we celebrate and we focus on body diversity is because um, diet culture and white supremacy has taught us that there's only one good body, right? Only one good hair, only one good nose, only one good eye, only one, one good of everything, right? What's funny about this is that um, when we start really connecting with our community or like, for example, I always ask, tell me who in your life who, especially a, a woman, tell me a, a woman in your life that feels really good about her whole body. And you start to realize that no matter what kind of body people have, la alta, la baja, la gorda, la flaca, nobody feels good about their bodies. So then now we know that this is a symptom of a society that has kind of glorified this one kind of characteristic that no one fits in. There is nobody that has a perfect body. Let's look at the Kardashians. The Kardashians are always celebrated as like, wow, the most amazing bodies. And you see the incredible body dissatisfaction that they have, right? Because they need to always be changing their, the, even their perfect, amazing, beautiful body. So this idea of the ideal body 
is the only way we can kind of reject and challenge that concept is by celebrating body diversity, is by acknowledging the uniqueness of all of our different kinds. And it is hard, right? Because like when you open a magazine, especially, you know, we have a lot of trends, right? And now you see the trend is this haircut and you don't have that haircut. Okay, the haircut is okay. But what if you suddenly see big butts, but big butts are the big thing. You don't have a big butt. Okay, now you're like in this process. What should you do? What measures should you take? What harmful measures should you take to suddenly have that same body as that person? Well, I personally believe like we should be challenging that instead of saying like, let's change our body, right? Um, What next things will there be? Like, you know, uh, the whitening creams, like should you be using whitening creams? Because now they told you that white skin is the only good skin. Should you be using lip fillers to only have the lips that like now they're telling you, right? This is the question that we're like in this balance. But when we center body diversity as part of our practice on body positivity, it allows us to see ourselves as just the unique human that we are, that we are part of body diversity. Everybody is part of body diversity. That's the whole point. Every single human has unique qualities and special characteristics and all these things that make them them. And they're just, there's not no hierarchy. We just are all in this line of incredible diversity. So um, I always like to invite people to look at their friends, to look at their families, to look at their community, to see and start to acknowledge body diversity. And like part of this work, for example, for me as a you know fat liberation activist too is i want to be able to say fat the fat people fatness and fat is just an adjective you know but for so many people they can describe tall la, la flaca la, la all these things and they can never say fat right because that is the worst thing you could be and yet there's so many fat people and there's so many fat people that we know and we love and we might be the fat person, right? And we can we can call ourselves, we can name our diversity and that is still good. So um, I really, really think that so much of our work has to center on acknowledging our uniqueness and, and embodying our diversity because it is through that that we can sort of challenge the, the white supremacy of diet culture and the ideal body. Wow, so powerful. And you know, you mentioned earlier on that you also do parenting class or you, you you're focusing on parenting education. I'm focusing on what I call body positive. Parenting. Okay. The reason why I'm I'm asking is because as you were sharing and in, in with the uh, you know, you share the story about going to, to elementary school and talking to these children, I believe that as parents, you know, we can do, we can tell our kids everything about being, you know, you know, loving themselves and their body and all that. But if we don't practice it, yes. that's what, that's what the kids are going to see. And that's what they're going to do. Yes. And I know for me, uh, a big catalyst to heal my, you know, in, in, you know, my, my relationship with my body and, and all of that has been having a daughter and, and, and wanting her to not go or experience the the things that I've been through, right? The the body shaming and the self-criticism and harshness that that came on from came from my mom really and probably from her mom and you know back yeah. the, the lineage. But um so that's been a huge catalyst for me. And so tell me a little bit about how are you, you know, what is it that you're sharing with parents and and how has you know how was how has that been part of your your work and the, the journey that you're on and with your with the with your Instagram and your education? Well, I, I would say, you know, anybody that has birthed a human being, when they come out, you're like, you're precious, right? You're, you're so precious and you want them 
to grow up knowing that, right? And yet society tells us a lot of stuff around like, you know, how do we talk about food and, and movement and all these things, right? And and also what you said about ourselves. And so we end up actually teaching and perpetuating really negative beliefs around people's bodies, especially for our kids. So um, I, my biggest sort of catalyst around body positivity for parenting really came from doing a workshop around eating disorders and the role of the family in the risk for developing eating disorders. And eating disorders are, you know, they're so much part of a conversation, but in fact, they're like the number two um, of all the mental health diseases that has the highest risk of of death, for example. These are really important impact that eating disorders have. And um, as I was kind of like reading all the literature, it was very like what you're pointing at is literally the point. It's like we know one of the biggest impacts on on, on what the fam the role of the family around eating disorder um, development is whether the mom is dieting, whether the mom is dieting, and of course whether the mom encourages dieting in the person, the, the you know the child. Um, and all the other things that come with it, right? Like whether the mom criticizes other people's bodies, but mom dieting is a number one thing that has wow. an impact in terms of, but so many of us are, have been in diets, right? Because right. that is literally what we are told. You should constantly be doing this diet, right? Now we know more about, you know, intuitive eating or other forms of eating that are honoring our, 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 our hunger, right. And learning about our bodies, um, and so that was kind of like the first thing, like, what, it, what do we have to do if we really believe our child deserves to feel good in this world? What do we have to do? And you pointed at it, that is literally the work you have to do this healing. You have to work on your relationship with food. You have to work on your relationship with your body. You have to work on your relationship with movement. It doesn't mean you have to be like healed. Like, this is the key part is like, actually, that process of working through those messages of learning these things and unlearning these things is powerful for our kids to see too, right? To see you. Yeah. Like, yes, the world is telling you, you have to be all these different things. How are you working through that? Right. Um, so definitely parents, the role of like parents working through those things is the most important thing. Um, other aspects, and I feel like it depends on the age, of course, on, on the age of the, the child or the teen. And I don't think, I don't think that there's this thing like, oh, if you didn't do it from the beginning, no, like we can always, this is stuff that we're like unlearning, like society right now, we're like in this current moment where so many of us are unlearning the kind of, um, body criticism that many of us grew up with and that um, we can know has a huge impact. I get so many messages of people who are like in their sixties who can tell me the moment, the words that their mom used when they were like eight years old, you know, or la or the trainer or the teacher. I mean, it's so your words have impact. Right. Um, and so I always tell parents, like, we have the opportunity to be positive influences in this or negative influences in this. And here's the data. Like, the data is very clear about what kind of language we use and how it will impact our kids in the future. Um, so I also talk about, like, centering body diversity, you know, being very conscious about how we include body diversity in the media and in the books that we consume, right? Also in the awareness of our world. Like I really love pointing out body diversity for my child constantly, right? Like but diversity in general, but just the idea of like bodies coming all different sizes. I think that uh, 
people who work on disability justice are a great source because when we talk about disabilities, we're so used to being like, that person doesn't have a leg, right? Or whatever. And in fact, that person has a leg, right? Like that is their body. We don't have to constantly be like, the only body that's good is one that has two legs. No, it can be a person that has one leg and that is just how that person is, right? That kind of certainty that bodies come in different ways is so powerful. And I, you know, I see it all the time with little kids, especially when they realize like that is just how they are, that just how you are this way, that is just how they are. And that is incredible power, incredibly powerful. At the same time, I think that not only, not only consuming media that has, great body diversity, like we also can teach our kids to question why they don't see body diversity. I mean, especially like I'm part of a big uh, group of like Latinx publishers, publishing, you know, whatever creators. And that's the question, you know, how many, there's like a per, one percentage of like children's books are written by Latinx people, which means that true, true representation of Latinx kids is not there. Right. So how do we question that? How do we, you know, how do we question, you know, the fact that you see a lot of books, there's so you can look around you and see so many fat people, but you don't see any fat people in books. Where are they? Why aren't they there? You know, we can do a lot of work by questioning what isn't there as much as like celebrating what is there. Um, I think the questions around uh, intuitive eating, there's more and more awareness about, um, uh, intuitive eating with kids, you know, how to really understand that kids are learning about food and we can help them have a really positive relationship with food. So get educated about that. Um, I also, because one of the elements of my content is around movement. A lot of people who have larger bodies, we've gotten the message that like, we need to move as punishment for being in larger bodies, right? We need to move to lose weight. And it turns out the science is very clear. Like in the long run, like movement is not a good weight loss strategy, but movement is really good for like all kinds of really positive things for health, right? Stress management and like all kinds of things around ADHD, all kinds of things. So when we like shift the, the, the focus from weight loss to movement for health, it blows our kids' minds. It blows our mind as well, right? So I, I made a video recently about how like, uh, you know, on Wednesdays, my husband and I always do a routine, like a, like a, I, you know, whatever, like push-ups, whatever in the morning. And I made the switch when, you know, my son wakes up and he's like, oh, I need this. I need this. And I was like, I, I, I need to get out. I need to go finish my routine. And I realized just this small change when I said, I want to go change. I want to go finish my routine. I want to, this is something I want. I don't have to. Uh, you know, it, it has no, like, I just want to, right. And encouraging uh, healthier relationships with movement. And, and finally, I do think like, this is the truth is like, our kids will go into the world and the world is filled with all these messages around bodies. What we want from them is to be able to have a little bit more of more tools to be able to recognize their uniqueness in the world that is constantly telling them that they should be blah, 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 blah. Um, giving them a little buffer, right? A little buffer, uh, yeah. you know, also, you know, I also talk about parenting, but I know a lot of people who consume my content are not parents. They're like tias or tios, people who are doing this work, you know, this kind of healing work that you, you know, you were talking about. 
and they're just peripheral to like the la, la, la sobrina, el sobrino. You can still do a lot of these things. You cannot parent that child. That's not your child to parent, but you can be a place of a huge of influence. Yeah. yeah. You can be a place of comfort. You can be a place. I always also say we have a lot of power to interrupt, to be interrupters of these, like what you call, you know, this generational, intergenerational trauma that is this, you know, sort of like focus on weight, criticism on weight. Um, you know, it's not the same as a parent doing it, but you still have a lot of influence. And then also, I think that there's this conversation around the inner child. Um, a lot of these tools, suddenly when you're like, I remember when my mom said that. I remember when that happened. I remember all these different things. There's a lot of work that we can still do, you know, to heal our inner child. And so, for example, I have a, a Spotify um, playlist uh, that's called Vibras, Posita Vibras Body Positive. Uh, it's like a body positive uh, children's uh, playlist that is in Spanish and English. And I realized that a lot of the people who are listening are on the younger side. Um, I mean, are on the on, on the older side. And I realized a lot of people want to hear these messages. They want to hear in this sort of very soft and tender and tierno way. They want to hear you're good. They want to hear you're okay. They want to hear you're unique. You know, we didn't get those messages. And so a lot of people are even, you know, this concept about body positive parenting is kind of like a little bit of healing that child inside of us. We're parenting well. for ourselves, our young Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and also, I also, you know, a lot of my community is like, well, you know, you need to alejarte, you need to be away from your tias, tios, your parientes that don't understand this. And I, I do believe that we can create content. I, I create content sometimes to to reach them it doesn't mean that we're going to change it doesn't mean you're going to change people right like let's be truthful we don't we don't change people we change ourselves we give tools for people to change but we don't change people but i still feel like there's a lot of power there for people to you know older our older community to kind of question you know to yeah and i i use it a lot with my story that we're like i can help her remember things that she experienced the kind of this trauma and this violence that she experienced and kind of plant the seed like that was not okay. Even if it happened to you, it is not okay. Right. So there's a lot of power in a lot, a lot of generations here. Yeah, absolutely. Planting seeds, right. That I think a lot of the work, the healing work is that in and of itself, because that, that will be eventually it will grow and it will, it will manifest into other things. And yeah, absolutely. And in medium, I just, one last question, how in, in general, how would you say that the community is and your Instagram is on Spanish and you know how has that been message been received um how would you say in general has been received by the Spanish-speaking community not just you know not just here in the U.S. but in Mexico or South America what what, what has been your what, how have people welcomed or not your message yeah I mean really I would say people really love when I do more of the skits where I can kind of play on this dynamic, right? Because people are experiencing it this real time, right? Constantly, la tía que te critica, the, you know, like the making a thousand tamales, but then criticizing you for eating the tamales. It's yes. confusing, right? It's like- Absolutely. One or the other, like you either, we either, you know. Um, but I have really carved a niche for myself in terms of- uh, 
of really translating some of the information and data that we have into Spanish for like massive consumption. And mm. um, I, it, I mean, I have grown a lot, you know, when when I started, I was sort of like, what? Like who who has these big accounts, you know? And now I, I in right now between TikTok and Instagram, I have like 360,000 followers. Wow, and that's amazing. And I threw out the whole, you know, US, yeah. Mexico, Colombia, all, all the Latin Americas, yeah. literally anybody, any, wherever there's people that speak Spanish, because I also have like a lot of countries in Europe. And um, I think that there is excitement about it. I, what I, the reto, the challenge that I'm kind of focused on right now is that I really, you know, in our community, in the Latinx community in the U.S., we see, for example, diabetes and we see, you know, um, a lot of issues around uh, heart health. And there is a lot of information of how to approach these particular um, health problems with a health at every size perspective, um, sort of a weight neutral perspective. And the science is actually pretty strong about this um, because this is what people don't talk about, right? People say like, oh, you know, people in larger bodies have more diabetes, but you know what? Who also has more diabetes? People that have stressful jobs, people that have three jobs, people that work the night shift, people that work, you know, people that live in poverty, people that all these other things are factors. And so I like to, you know, really focus on the what we have. The science is like, while we see a correlation, we do not see a causation, right? Larger bodies and diabetes. We see a lot of causation with its other things, right? Also plus genetic, plus all these other things. Um, so I think that there's great power in bringing an awareness of how to talk about people in all kinds of sizes with these health problems, especially because um, for our community, especially, you know, when we know about around weight stigma is that people don't want to go to the doctor because they will constantly be harassed about their weight. We know that as one, one element of weight stigma, we know that people that have thin bodies also get diabetes. So what kind of healthcare are they getting? And why are we not offering that same, those same tools, evidence-based tools to people in larger bodies, right? Like it should be based on evidence and not on body size. Right. Um, I want to talk with, you know, I want to kind of bring more awareness about this because there's a real choque. Um, what I see is that in the, you know, in the spaces around public health that deal more with people who are white, we see a lot of understanding about this. We see a lot of really evidence-based information about the importance of being uh, health for all, for everybody, for all sizes, um, health at every size. I mean, mm -hmm. and moving away from weight centering health, but in the Latinx side, we don't see that. Oh, and okay. so there's, I kind of want to move a little bit more towards that. I don't know yet because there's so much, there's the, the, the basis for like really understanding weight centered stigma and anti-fat bias is still we're still like in newbies we're still newbies here in in yeah. the spanish-speaking world and so you know there's this question about where to go um yeah. but i really wanna my current goals are really to kind of create more of um you know a place where people can come and access all of these stuff right where's the data on this where's the data on that like what has been done on that you know like let's like beyond the stuff that is like social justice, like no human being is lesser. No human being, no matter what their body size is lesser than another human being. And that is currently the work, right? But there's a lot of like science about when we have focus on weight, it actually has not led to people having healthier lives. When we 
defocus weight, when we kind of have weight neutral approaches, we, we do see people having more health. So there's like a real, there's a real, you know, and like, it is my sound for people who are listening, like, oh my gosh, this is nuevo. This is all new, but it's not like, I, I guarantee you go look at public health department departments in like all the different universities in the U S yeah. It's just, it's just so academic, right? It hasn't reached the people. It hasn't reached our communities, unfortunately, still in academia, very, very It's still in academia. And also it's like some sectors of academia, right? Like Mm. sectors that are Mm -hmm. really informed by racism, by Mm. trauma, by discrimination. Like those are the sectors that have really done the work to be like, Hey, stigma, discrimination Mm -hmm. never will lead towards more health. Right. Mm. But there are, of course, as with everything, a lot of, a lot of interest, right? Monetary interest to keep people on weight loss drugs, for example, that on the long term are so hugely impactful and harmful, um, because we want to have people in smaller bodies, right? So it's really about moving from a thin-centered paradigm to a health-centered paradigm. And I know people were like, but Omidi and the fat people. Yes, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's question these this paradigm mm. because the science is pretty is coming there's more and more research about yeah. this wow so fascinating just sitting in here with you i feel like i've had so many ideas just for my just to apply in my life to research like I, I mentioned my daughter thank you so much for sharing this information i don't think i've had anyone in the podcast uh, that has talked about these things so i i appreciate it so much because you mentioned inner child and re- mentioned the healing, the planting seeds and the trauma. And this is all part of it, right? It's in, in healing is not something that just happens in with one. And this is why, you know, my podcast is titled inner healing paths, because there's so many paths that contribute to our healing that contribute to our own personal liberation. And, and the more we, and it's like peeling the layers, right? We, we, we address uh, one component and then we realize, wow, there's this whole other thing that is contributing to the way I feel. And so thank you for sharing your perspective, your wisdom with, with, with me and my audience. And for folks that would love to get to know you and your work and, um, and you know, maybe sign up for a class if it's available, um, how can people find you? Uh, yes, I am uh, La Gorda Feminista, La Gorda Feminista altogether um, on all the major platforms. Um, and I do try to do mostly Spanish on TikTok and Instagram. And now I'm doing only English on YouTube, trying to figure out this balance, right? I think that anybody that's bilingual, we're like trying to figure out like how, yes, how I are can we relate doing? to that. Yeah. Um, So, and you can, I have a website, Mm lagordafeminista.com and you can reach me at Miriam um, at lagordafeminista.com. And I want to, I want to end with this, with this idea of like, you know, for a lot of people, we have lived for so long with so much shame and so much hatred towards our bodies. And so, you know, like, and, and we feel like it's justified, right? Because if we, we just, if we just were skinny, we wouldn't have that. And I want to say that there's, there's, there's just, it's an incredible human experience to remind ourselves that from a place of love and from a place of acceptance, we are so much more able to do a lot of care for ourselves. And from a place of hatred and from a place of shame, we can't. 
And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where, 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 what, what, I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, you can follow me and then, then through there, see a lot of people who are doing this work, who are sharing tools. And a reminder, like, yes, yeah, social media has this one quality where you're like, you see someone, you're like, ah, wow, they accept themselves. Why can't I? If someone makes you feel like that, don't follow that person, right? Like the idea is like what you said. I love what you said about the different paths. There's just like so many different ways. Nobody knows your context like you do, right? Your challenges, your uh, privileges, your life. So use the tools, you know, grab from where you can, what doesn't help you, what doesn't make you feel good, pa'fuera, you know, and, and just remember that this is a, this is a process. We're all in this process. No one, there's no destiny. No one has gone to a destiny. We're all, like you said, in this inner healing path. It's so beautiful. Gracias. Gracias, Miriam. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosashettylcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.